0: I'm Crystal L. Kirkham, author, publisher, and sometimes even a podcaster myself, and you're listening to the absolutely awesome Dead Hand Radio.
1: Welcome to Dead Hand Radio. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. So you're in Canada? What part of Canada? Canada.
0: I currently live in central Alberta.
1: Is that that's like center of the country, pretty much, isn't it?
0: Uh, It's uh, the very, it's the second province away from the ocean. So fairly Western and central also makes me fairly Northern. (laughs) So it it would take me about four and a half, five hours to drive to the U S border from here.
1: Oh, okay. I see where you're at now. Well, I am in Nevada. Do you know where that's at?
0: I do. I've actually traveled most of the Western U.S. with the exception of Nevada.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, Nevada is a place you you definitely should visit. There's so much to do here. And I'm not even talking about the strip, the casinos. You know, that stuff to me is secondary.
0: I hear there's some actual excellent hiking out there.
1: Yeah. Do you like hiking?
0: Um, I do. I grew up in Vancouver, so I grew up surrounded by the mountains and I used to do a lot of backpacking. I still go out and hunt on occasion. So.
1: Very cool. Uh, Yeah, I go. I go hiking all the time. My wife and I go to Mount Charleston. There's trails out at Lake Mead. Uh, There's trails out at um, Red Rock Canyon valley of fire i mean there's so many beautiful places to go hiking out here uh we even take our grandson with us sometimes but he's little so he doesn't he can't hike too far he's only four years old
0: yeah that's that's more of a gentle walk in the park age
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah we do some of that with him in fact this weekend i'm hoping to be able to take him over to the park because the the temperature here has dropped and we're getting down into where it's like the 60s, 70s during the day.
0: Oh, that sounds like our summer.
1: <laughs> I figured you'd say that. Yeah, I'm sure that's, that's like temperate weather for you guys. For us, it's comfortable weather.
0: Yeah, so I, I actually have a friend who's in Las Vegas. And, you know, our, our summer highs are your overnight lows.
1: Yeah. Although it does get cold enough to snow here occasionally, very rarely, but 2008, I've got video. We had eight inches of snow in Las Vegas in this in the city. So it doesn't wow. happen often, but it does happen.
0: Wow. <laughs> I only have it for yeah, eight it, months a year. So, <laughs>
1: it's, so you're used to it. If we want snow, we have to go up to Mount Charleston really, um, to get it. And that's only during I think starting in November, we should start to see some snow. And then it usually goes on through March,
0: man, that would be so nice. I drove home from my family's place from Thanksgiving because ours is the second weekend of October and it's a 12 hour drive and almost did the entire thing in snow.
1: Wow. Yeah. I know people who live in snow, hate it because it's just the constant norm and it's boring. It's, a pain in the butt to deal with it. I go to the snow because it's, it's, a it, you know, it's different than the desert, which I love. I absolutely love the desert. Um, it's always cooler up on the mountain because here 110 degrees is pretty, uh, you know, it's hard to, to bear with that. So an escape to 70 degree weather up on the mountain is a, a nice respite from that desert heat once in a while.
0: I can believe you. I've, I've, as I said, most of my travels in the U.S. have been in the summer. So, you know, I've been in Arizona, but it's been well over a hundred degrees.
1: Yeah, Arizona gets hot too, and they have it worse because it gets humid down there.
0: No, no. When you grow up by the Where ocean, you... nothing, nothing is humid compared to that.
1: <laughs> no, no. Don't get me wrong. I, I grew up in California, so I know what the oh, yes. the uh, humidity of the <laughs> The coast is but no uh, uh arizona compared to, to nevada nevada is like on a hot day it's like putting your head into an oven Oof. it's ah. so it's so dry and brutally hot there's no moisture in the air whatsoever but to go down to arizona they have that humidity in the summertime they have those tsunami or not tsunamis <laughs> what am i thinking Mon- monsoons uh, which uh You know it brings in some precipitation it really makes the the um the weather to me it's worse because that humidity just it makes it hard for me to breathe Uh, i just really don't like humidity that's why i moved away from the coast
0: makes sense makes sense i'm yeah i don't know i come from a long line of wet weather dwelling people from humid climates so (laughs) very very british as in i still qualify for british citizenship
1: <laughs> you know, yeah, I guess the Brits do. um But the Brits that I know, they do not really care for no. all the weather, all the wet weather that they get over there.
0: And yet, so many they, they tend of them to complain about it. Retire to the Vancouver, Victoria area where it is very, very wet.
1: Oh, is that right? That's funny. You know, I talked with, um I don't know if you know who this is or not, Philip Reeve. He's the writer of the. Uh, the Mortal Engines, sounds the, familiar, the but I don't think young I adult them. post-apocalyptic novel. Hmm. Um, anyway, he's in in uh, England, and I'm not sure exactly where, but he sent me some pictures uh, on Twitter of his local area, and oh my god, it looks like something out of a fairy tale. It's, it literally looks like a, a fairy tale landscape. It's so beautiful.
0: It's very quaint. Um, I still have relatives over in um over on the east Coast in um Broadstairs and most of my friends are near the Birmingham area so it's a nice area but you know you head up north to Devonshire you get closer to the lakes district and it is stunning
1: yeah yeah I'm sure <laughs> I've never been there but um you know maybe someday I'll never say never but I am 54 now. I don't travel very often. And uh,
0: no, you're not that much older than me.
1: <laughs> oh, how old are you? I, I'm 40. I wouldn't even guess. 40? I'm 40. Oh, that's not bad. No, you're still, that's quite young, actually. Uh, in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> when,
0: um, when you work with people that you're old enough to be their mother, it, it hurts a little sometimes.
1: Yes, that that I could imagine that. Fortunately, I'm self-employed and have been for 20 years, so I don't have to work around people half my age. I do have three daughters that are are grown. My oldest is 31 now.
0: Oh wow! Hey, yeah. Oh, we you started, started young. My wife and I started young. <laughs> oh, you're lucky. Yeah. You still get to be fairly well, young when they're up and out of the house. <laughs> you still have energy. Yeah.
1: Well, two of them still live in the house.
0: <laughs> so, okay. No, no, no. Get those freeloaders uh, is, out of there.
1: <laughs> they, no, I, I, they're great. They're great kids. Um, I love having them here. And one of my daughters that lives with us has a son who my, is my grandson. And he's just, he's my constant shadow, my buddy.
0: Oh, you're so lucky. I love having
1: him with me. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I am fortunate.
0: Me and my dogs.
1: <laughs> hey, dogs are great. I, I love pets. Um, I don't have any right now but uh, what kind of dogs do you have?
0: Um, I have well that I own right now in the house are two standard poodles an Australian Shepherd and then I have another standard poodle here but we'll be breeding my girl again next summer to um, a boy down south so I'll be taking the pick boy out of that litter for showing so I I show and breed standard poodles.
1: (laughs) I haven't read any of your writings, but BK uh, has told me um, a little bit about what you wrote. And, I, man, I've been recording like two and three interviews a day trying to um, schedule more interviews, you know, going out. And so I just haven't had a chance to look at your bio. Um, if you don't mind, would you just give me a breakdown of, you know, um from the creative aspect of it, where you come from when you discovered your earliest uh, interest in storytelling and kind of what are your inspirations and stuff like that?
0: Um, I would say let's start with the easy question, which is my earliest inspiration is um, goes all the way back to when I was in, hmm, I think, the fourth grade and our teacher assigned a little creative writing project and I wrote mine about a little caterpillar trying to find a home and she loved it so much. I'm just like, I'm a really good writer. I should do this. And, you know, it's been one of those on and off things over the years of the, you know, stern lecture from the parents. Oh, there's no money in writing, get a real job, go to school. So I studied biotechnology, I studied political science, I studied... uh, web technologies, to so web design, graphic design, and all of that. Never really got a degree on anything at all, <laughs> but I studied a lot of it. And, uh, you know, from all of that background, um, I've always loved the sciences. I've always been very heavy into the sciences, um, and I grew up reading fantasy, science fiction, and horror, which kind of all combined to where I am now, which is I write very dark speculative fiction. So everything I write, whether it's science fiction or fantasy tends to have that darkness that you generally find in horror pushed into it. And so if I'm not actually writing directly horror, I'm writing something that's going to have very dark themes throughout it.
1: Um, You just triggered a a memory that I hadn't thought about forever. 30 years or so but uh yeah i wrote a story for a creative writing class or something that i had and the teacher gave me high kudos for that but that did not lead to a career in writing for me so what do you think um you know aside from the encouragement that the teacher gave you what what else do you think it was that led you down the path of storytelling
0: I would say one of the things is I've always been a bit of a bookworm. Um, My parents used to say that the only real punishment for me was not to send me to my room, but to make me spend time with people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's brutal. Yeah,
0: that's because, you know, I'd get home and I was well known in school. I actually never did homework. I slept through most of my classes, but I'd get home and I'd pick up a fiction book and science fiction or fantasy and I would read (laughs) instead of doing my homework. And I've always just, I've always been drawn to the written word. Um, When I graduated high school, I actually really wanted to go into journalism and I was dissuaded because, you know, in the 1990s, um, journalism was considered a dying art form. (laughs) So um, I was told not to do that. And my next choices after that were to go into the sciences or into law. And I decided I didn't want to spend as much time as it took to get a law degree and do all of that. I realized, oh my gosh, that's going to take like six or seven years. I don't want to be in school that long. I don't want to have to work that hard. I'm just going to go and study biotechnology. (laughs) Turns out I really hate lab work too. (laughs) So that didn't work out so well for me, but uh, I've just, I've always loved the written word and I'm pretty sure that has something to do with it.
1: Yeah, that's, I I hear that from a lot of writers that, uh, they are, they are typically very avid readers. Uh, and they consume a lot of, they consume a lot of books, uh, which, I, I feel like a broken record saying this because I've said it probably 20 times over the last two weeks. Um, I'm a slow reader, notoriously slow reader. Um, I pick up a book and I might read two or three pages and that's it because I get distracted while I'm reading. Even a good story uh, will hold my attention for a couple of pages in, but then I start thinking about something else because I just have an overactive mind.
0: Yeah. You know, that's actually one of the reasons I really love short stories and novelettes and novellas because they're not as big of a time commitment they I'm a really busy person I have the full-time job I um in the middle of starting up my own publishing company I do my own writing I do freelance editing um I have you know a bunch of other things going on as well and I don't always have as much time to commit to reading a full novel as I would like so I find those novellas and novelettes and short stories are just absolutely ideal because I get a story and it doesn't take me several weeks or a month to get through it.
1: Uh, I talked to a girl today who runs a a book review blog or book review website, and she told me that last year alone, she read over 375 books in a year. I said, what? that's like a superpower man and she she just reads nonstop. now she doesn't write except for the reviews that she posts on her blog but uh that's an incredible amount of reading I just couldn't even imagine trying to read that much a book a day you know or more than a book a day (laughs) that blows my mind um
0: I I couldn't even do that if I didn't work a day even if I didn't work a day job I could not get through a book a day
1: Yeah. And she does have a full-time job. She does have a full-time job. The book review uh, website is a side thing, a passion project for her. And she just has, uh, an intense passion to consume books. And the majority of the books that she reads are independent authors, you know? Um, so let's talk a little bit about your writing first, and then we'll talk about the, um, the new venture that you're embarking on shortly. Because uh, I, I, I would like to hear about that. I know, are, did you publish through Kyanite as well?
0: I did publish through Kyanite. And um, for a while there, I was actually working um, with them in the background with editing, cover design, and just uh, basic time management stuff. So,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm sure some of that uh, that work that you did with them is going to translate to you being successful at your launching your venture, which is awesome. Um, it's also great because I'm sure it's going to be a home for hopefully several of those authors that were publishing through them who no longer have a, a publishing home. There uh, Do you, yes. oh, you know what we got, I got ahead of myself. <laughs> I wanted to talk about I wanted to talk about your writing career first. Uh, so let's talk about that. How long have you been actually writing, um, for publication so whether it's self-publishing or you know writing for a publisher
0: um i started self-publishing back in 2016 and i spent at least a good eight years writing novels that were absolutely horrible before i even got around to writing one that i thought was worthy of publishing um probably could have used more editing I didn't know much about editing back then and ever since then I've really just put a focus on writing things and getting published and getting stories out there so I've actually been published with um, other publishing companies as well for some of my short work but so
1: cool and the, the the type of books that you write you said speculative fiction do you do you also write hard science fiction or, um, straight up horror, or or are you just kind of jumping all over the place between them?
0: I really like to play mishmash with my genres and I try, I don't, what's the best way to put this? I don't think about a genre when I'm writing the book. I figure out what it is when I'm done. And generally it ends up being a bit of a mishmash. Um, I do write, some straight up horror and a few things I've worked on they're generally more towards the paranormal aspect of horror which is a very easy aspect to work with but I do tend to poke at other genres within it as for Heart's sci-fi I actually have written some Um, I love researching I love reading about theoretical physics it's a favorite pastime of mine and um but Unfortunately, for some reason, science fiction hasn't always been one of my biggest publishable genres. It always ends up being one of those things like, oh, this is this could be better. Um, I do have one side project that one of my uh, early beta readers has been one of the very few people to read. And it is a full length science fiction novel called Blood on the Stars. That is a very military sci fi one and she is dying for me to write the second half of that uh, story and get it published because it is by far her most favorite thing I've ever written and she doesn't understand why I haven't finished it yet (laughs) it's a lot of research
1: (laughs) okay well that answers my next question was do you understand why you haven't finished it and it's just because the the, how much research you have to do to get the science part right yeah
0: and I mean I've I always have, uh, I'm one of those writers who every time somebody throws a challenge at me, I have to, you know, rise to that challenge. Everything from write a novel from these three random prompts in 30 days, done that one. Um, Hey, Crystal, we are doing this anthology. It's invite only. This is what you have to write for it. You wanna do it? Yeah, sure. I've only got 30 things on my plate. I'm gonna do that. So I, I, I tend to get distracted easily, too. So between the research and the distraction.
1: <laughs> uh, well, there there is a saying that if you want something done, give it to a busy person. Have you ever heard that?
0: I have heard that a lot.
1: <laughs> because they tend to take on tasks um, beyond their capacity to finish, but they find a way of doing it anyway. Um, that's that's. Great to hear that you're willing to take on those those other tasks to e- expand your horizons. Uh, it's also cool that, you know, you're willing to build that network. You know, you do things to help other people. And, you know, like BK uh, told you to get in touch with me, told me to get in touch with you. And I'm hoping that this will bring more exposure to the people that are contributing to it. Um, the podcast is relatively new how much did he tell you about the podcast
0: almost nothing but i trust bk implicitly so he said get in touch with this guy and i'm like okay i'll do that
1: (laughs) all right well i'll bring you up to speed as quickly as i can and then we'll we'll move on with your story if you like uh the the podcast is dead hand radio it's about the cold war well it's centered on the cold war i'll say that much But I cover everything from movies, books, you know, anything to do with entertainment, culture, art, um, as long as it can be tied back in some way to the Cold War, (laughs) which is not really hard to do. In my mind, it's not hard to do because the Cold War has had such an impact on so many generations. It's still impacting us to this day and um so the the cold war was the the groundwork for me to start from it was the the way for me to build a platform that i can start reaching out and talking to people and have a little bit of confidence in approaching people and what i really wanted to do was start to talk with people from different walks of life from different interests areas of interest but also people who shared similar interests that I do, which is not hard again, because I have so many interests. When you said paranormal, I just did a 12 episode series on ghost stories, haunted buildings, cursed lands. (laughs) I talked with people. Yeah. I talked with people in the paranormal uh, field (laughs) Uh. for two weeks
0: and my, you'd love uh, this th- my current uh work in progress is a is a gothic romance which is an entire which is more focused on the whole horror paranormal ghost aspect of the cursed manor
1: <laughs> very cool very cool uh okay so uh Talk about your your career, uh, your writing career. Once you started getting published, how did it evolve?
0: Um, well, I started off not knowing anything and self-publishing with no clue about what I was doing. Um, that was my first novel. My second novel, I self-published as well. Took a lot more time and care. I'd spent the two years in between those novels learning a lot about. Um, publishing and self-publishing and things to do and things not to do so i did a bit of a better job on getting that one done it's far better edited and by that time i i wanted to do more i'd always wanted to be traditionally published um which is when i got my chance with kyanite uh, with my next novel which was a fa- adventure fantasy called feathers and Fay. and then I started trying to write short stories again, and we're not even going to count how many other things I've published since that Feathers and Fae was 2019, 2018, 2019. And yeah, and in that time, I published probably in about 15 different things in that very very short time frame
1: that's a lot that does sound like quite a bit yeah um how important do you think it is as an independent writer to submit um stories to smaller magazines um and now I guess they call them zines online zines is that right is that the right term for it um
0: yeah I guess it is I see e-zines a lot but that's kind of a slightly older older lexicon, so it's kind of variable. Um, It really depends on what kind of exposure you're looking for, Um, whether or not it pays is sometimes an iffy thing. I know a lot of people are like, oh, don't give your artwork away for free. Don't give it away. But sometimes it's really good to help support those smaller ones, especially when they have bigger aspirations because they're gonna go somewhere and you're gonna be a part of that journey. Um, at the same time it's really nice to get paid so it's a balancing act Um, there's a bunch of books that I've done that I haven't gotten paid for that I've done quite a few um, submissions into and ones where I have gotten paid and the thing is every time you write something every time you query every time you submit it's a learning experience as well so it's I'd say it's actually fairly important to just really get out there and keep trying and get feedback where you can as well especially if they're the type of place that gives you personalized feedback then it helps you grow as a writer as well
1: good point um i was thinking more uh from the perspective of expanding your audience by uh increasing your exposure through publishing through the smaller zines um because they are more uh they're more approachable um sometimes they're a little more forgiving. They'll, they'll accept stuff. That's a, a little less, um, I don't know what the word is. Polished. Not <laughs> huh?
0: a little less polished.
1: Yes. That's the exact word I was looking for. Polished. Um, because uh, you know, a lot of them are startups and, and a lot of them do it. They don't make any money on doing it and they're just trying to build an audience themselves. So they bring in writers who are up and coming and, um, you know, they're, they're a lot more forgiving, it seems like. So, uh, yeah, uh, I kind of lost my train of thought right there, but it, it does seem like it's important to me. I'm not a writer, so I don't really know, but it does seem like it would be an important step or important part of the process to submit to smaller
0: zines? It definitely is. I mean, the biggest thing is just confirming, you know, intellectual property rights when it comes to the smaller ones. Some of them don't always have contracts. So as a writer, knowing what your rights are with your work is very, very important. Um, I even worked on doing, putting together a very free anthology. And even though we weren't charging for the book, we weren't, all the authors were donating time, editors were donated, cover design, everything was a donated effort. Nobody made a penny off of it. And uh, we still actually sent out contracts to the authors just so that they clearly were aware that they still retained all rights to their works. We were holding no rights to it. They could submit it anywhere else that they wanted, um, just so that everybody was on the same board. And I do know a lot of smaller places don't always do that. so you know, for those going that way, definitely make sure you know where your rights are standing with your work.
1: That's important. That's a, that's a good point to, um, to make, especially for, for writers that are just starting out because they're really not thinking a lot about the long-term uh, potential consequences to not protecting their intellectual property rights. Um, because they're just so excited about writing, and you know, if they get published, even if they don't get paid, they're they're happy about that. So they're willing to forego that that formal process of writing or signing a contract to protect themselves. Well, that could be detrimental in in the long term. Um, so yeah, it's you know your your career went from writing and self-publishing to working with a publisher and I'm sure that gave you all the chops you need to have to branch out eventually and start your own. Is that kind of how the process worked? It,
0: it kind of did. I actually um over the years it's always been a thing. I love learning new stuff and I've always been trying to expand my knowledge base as much as possible and working with BK and Sam with Kai Knight learning a lot more of the background stuff was really really quite eye-opening for me. And it gave me a really good basis to move forward um, with independently with my own little company.
1: That's, a, that's a, interesting. And it's also, well, congrats um, for taking that step because it's a huge step to start your own business. Um, is it something that you are planning on eventually doing full-time or is this a, a way for you to continue to get your work uh, keep your work under a publishing company but you're just doing it on the side
0: um, I don't know if you can hear her uh, he, he can make noise that's-
1: oh her she can make noise <laughs> yeah make all the noise she wants to that's not going to bother anybody
0: uh she'll do this for hours she thinks it's dinner time which actually it probably is for her (laughs) but um sorry i was going to say shush fred come on now yes that is a girl fred is a girl
1: (laughs) i'm trying to guess what her name her full name is is it is it like Frederica?
0: No, it's just Freddie.
1: Oh my! God. Well, that's a that's a great name. I mean, the 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 one Freddie that comes to my mind is Freddie Mercury. And that's
0: who she's named that's after.
1: A, oh, awesome!
0: Her uh, um, my kennel digital
1: high five right there.
0: My kennel has a that's musical a theme. Kennel, boom. Um, so all our uh-huh. dogs have musical names. So her mother is called Treble. And yeah, okay.
1: I, okay. Her registered Get name that, yeah.
0: is Labelle's All About That Base. Oh, cool. And Freddie's registered name is Labelle's Killer Queen. Awesome. So
1: <laughs> So is uh it was that were you gonna say something else?
0: Uh yeah, I was not going to talk about my dogs, but she was very intently staring and whining at a. <laughs> Um, because you did ask me a question about whether or not I was doing the published company for me as a way to do that so what I was actually going to say was um the idea originally started as a way to keep my books under my under a label and to continue with that and then I had um a few authors approach me and go we heard you were starting your own publishing company can our books go with you and I have a really hard time saying no. One of my friends joked that for Christmas they're getting me a dictionary. It's going to contain one word and the word will be no.
1: <laughs> that's funny. Uh, but but that's that's good of you, but it also it builds your catalog right off the bat. So it's kind of a kickstart for you.
0: It is. And I appreciate that there are Pardon me. That I appreciate that there are authors out there who are willing to trust me with their work because it's a really huge responsibility to have and it's a very stressful responsibility to have, especially when, you know, I know these authors, I know their work, and they are brilliant and they deserve their chance to have it out there. And it's yeah, almost kind of humbling that they're willing to say, we trust you enough to take our work and, you know, treat it well and treat us well. So exciting. That's great. Uh,
1: yeah, no, I mean, hats off to you. Cause that, that is a big step and for you to take on the challenge and also help other people, uh, along with that, that's, uh, you know, I, I, I wish you the best of success in your, in that endeavor. I hope that works out for you all for you and the writers that uh, you're going to be working with. Um, let's see. The, uh, so the, the process of publishing, um, I don't know if I want to go down that, that road too much, um, but do you have anything else you wanted to say about the publishing company? What's the name of the company? It is, How about that?
0: It is called Dark Brew Press.
1: Okay. I like dark brew. If I drink anything besides vodka, it's going to be a dark ale. Ooh. The more bitter, the better.
0: Yes. That sounds. Oh, God. I miss beer.
1: <laughs> you can't drink beer?
0: I am celiac. <laughs> So what does that mean? That means no wheat, rye, or barley.
1: Oh, wow. So you can't eat bread, any of that? Nope. Hmm. No. What happens if you do?
0: I get fairly sick. And if I am in prolonged physical contact, I actually will break out in a rash.
1: Wow. I've never heard of that. Of course, I'm not in the medical field or the bio field, but... <laughs> um, that's interesting. I, I have trouble eating certain foods. Uh, also, I, I have never been tested for it. I just find that certain foods like pasta make me feel really uncomfortable. Um, certain breads I can't eat. Uh, nowadays, when I eat pizza, oh, it sits on me like a brick. <laughs> so there's just the certain foods that-
0: flowers. You should try yeah. if you make stuff from cra- from scratch. Try um, a European um, ground flour because they actually tend to use less GMO based products that some people have less issues with when it comes to digesting. Okay. Strange things well, you I'll find keep out. That in mind.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's uh, so. Are you able to eat those kind of um,
0: uh,
1: those kind of products? Or do you have to stay away from it completely?
0: As long as it's not, doesn't have the wheat, rye, or barley in it, I can have it. So I have all my substitutions and most of my favorite pizza places have gluten-free crust.
1: Oh, uh, cool. Maybe that's what my problem is. Maybe gluten.
0: Yeah, gluten. I'm a
1: glutton for gluten.
0: <laughs>
1: bad, bad joke. I'm sorry. Uh, let's get back on topic, okay? <laughs> um. So let's see. Okay, let me let me look at my list of questions because I do have a, a few questions I wanted to dig into. Like I said, I, I have to find a way to weave it back into the Cold mm. War. Um well, I've also read
0: military science fiction too. So
1: <laughs> oh awesome. So let's talk about that then. What uh what's the name of your military science fiction uh, work?
0: Um it's a short story that came out in Kyanite Press. Actually, no, there's yeah. Technically, there's more than one that would fall under that, um, but the one that was specifically intended to be military science fiction is called "Let Loose the Dogs of War."
1: <laughs> mm.
0: And wonder where that came from. <laughs> I have no idea. It's such a beautiful phrasing. It came out of nowhere.
1: Wait, let me <laughs> let me guess. I know. I know where that came from. That came from the movie The Postman.
0: You know, actually I haven't seen it, but I know the phrase. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah, they use it in the movie, and it's cool. It's very cool the way they use it in the movie.
0: And you know what? It actually does... I think it harkens back to World War... I think it might be a World War II phrasing where it originally initiated. If I remember correctly from... I love etymology, and sometimes I forget a bit of it. Um, But... Or it's let Slip the Dogs of War in that, but I wanted... I actually... For the military sci-fi one it is actually a cybernetic canine unit because oh, okay cool you know dogs are a huge part of my life and i had to have fun with it and being that i love to make things extra dark and dreary i decided to make it a wonderfully post-apocalyptic world ravaged by oh i don't know a horrible virus <laughs> go figure where that idea came from and uh with a very wait was
1: this a recent yes. was this a recent story <laughs> yes. oh so okay so uh, so okay that's cool uh so it's a post-apocalyptic story it is based on the coronavirus more or less right
0: except far more deadly
1: yeah because well, you know yeah the coronaviruses
0: if you're not yeah. going to kill just about everybody it's not really post-apocalyptic
1: that's true that is true yes um yeah i love post-apocalyptic uh fiction it is my favorite science fiction um i think it crosses easily over into the realm of horror fiction as well uh with well especially when you talk about zombies you throw zombies in the mix and you're instantly in horror territory
0: but uh, i've actually never written zombies ever
1: supposedly they're pretty easy to write <laughs>
0: I I can imagine. I mean, mean, my latest. You
1: devastate the world. Go ahead.
0: I mean, my latest one is also sort of post apoc dystopian type deal, um, which is a cyberpunk one. So, really leaning heavy into um, self replicating nanotech. So,
1: let's talk about that (laughs) a little bit. Cyberpunk, I'll tell you why. Cyberpunk uh, is something that I did not discover until fairly recently but it is so interesting to me. Um, actually, I guess I did like cyberpunk a lot, lo- a long time ago, but I didn't know that it was cyberpunk, you know? Um, Cause I, I guess if you look back to movies like the matrix mm-hmm. that could be thrown into the cyberpunk view, realm, um, certainly the, um, the great movie, um, by uh with um arnold schwarzenegger total recall mm. i think that was cyberpunk love that movie very good movie. you like that movie yes. too yeah very good movie so uh go ahead talk talk about your cyberpunk novel is it is it finished is it a novel
0: um what is it this one's actually a novelette um and it was my first time really experimenting on my own with format designing which is why i was doing it and um, I originally wasn't gonna put it out under my under my current label. I was just gonna put it out as a self-published piece, and I'm like, you know, let's just do this. Let's just put something out there. It's edited. It's formatted. Why not? So I did it. It's called Gateway, and it the idea came to me from a yeah. I remember what I was. Nope, it wasn't what I was reading. It was something I misread. And I misread a phrase as Google is a gateway drug. (laughs) And I just was like, oh, you know, that's a, that gives me an idea for a story. So I ended up developing this really ravaged post-apocalyptic world where there are just those few technical, technological city-states that have managed to survive on technology alone. Technology replicates everything that they need. And of course, whoever controls the technology can control the people. So the city that we're looking at called New Parish, um, those in charge, um, are willing to do just about anything to keep control of the technology. So anybody who develops something that they don't approve of, that they are not involved in, tends to get taken care of in not always the nicest way. And that's kind of the whole setup for the story. Um, And the other part is that they use um, younger orphans, that they use a replicating nanotechnology to infiltrate the systems and create more of a cybernetic being so that they can um, be controlled by this government to help monitor and control the people. And that is our main character is one of these ones that actually hasn't been destroyed by this technology because being self-replicating, eventually it just takes over and kills the body, killing the host and destroying them. Which, you know, not ideal, but yeah, they're taking orphans anyway, so they don't care. (laughs) But uh, So our main character ends up coming back into the city after leaving and leaving their control to have a repair done and ends up getting sort of coerced into investigating a new drug called gateway, which we're not gonna spoil you, but may actually end up saving her life and stop the technology that is in her from actually killing her. So it's a very, it's a very short novelette. So it's about just under 20,000 words. And so it's a quick read and it's, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to write. It was a lot, I think it's a lot of fun to read. <laughs> I might be biased. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, well, sure. Um, it does sound like a, a fun read, but when is it going to be out and how can people get it?
0: It is out now um, for ebook only. So you can get it on uh, Kindle, Kobo. You can get it on your Apple iBooks. It should be available on quite a few different platforms. Um, and as I said, it is called Gateway. So that's kind of hard to find but if you look up my name crystal l kirkham it's a little bit less common so you might be able to find it a bit quicker that way
1: (laughs) okay cool so does that mean that you're up and running as a publishing company now
0: um yeah i have started getting everything up and running i have been working for the last um month and some trying to get everything organized um those authors that are moving over with me, they've talked to me and have agreed to the contract terms. So it's just getting the contracts over them and everything's gonna more fully launch in 2021. So right now it's just kind of that transitional period where everything is, it's there, it's running, we're registered, we're just not fully out there yet.
1: So are you, no. This could either go out if you wanted to or not if you don't want it to, but are you looking to expand and um, find others that are interested in coming on board to help you with the process of publishing? And are you looking for new authors that are interested in getting published with you?
0: The answer to both those questions is eventually. Um, As with most very small startups, um, until we start making money, I don't really want to have to ask people, hey, can you work for free until we're ready, till we're actually making money and I can pay you something? Um, I'm fairly lucky in that I have the background in graphic design, so I can do the cover design, I can do the formatting. Um, I've done plenty of work in editing. I do freelance editing as well, so I have that. Um, so unlike a lot of people going into this, I've actually got most of the skills already to be able to fully run the back end um eventually i would love to have people to help i do actually have a proofer who is willing to work for books (laughs) which was wonderful when she offered she's like i know you're starting out she's like but if you need a proofer i'm here i'll just just pay me in books (laughs) and i'm like well that's a deal i might be able to get behind
1: yeah because they're not technically working for free uh, you froze up there for a minute. So that did was... you.
0: I'm pretty sure that's probably the storm rolling. <laughs> it's oh, shaped, okay. it, my fiber optics is overhead. So if it gets a good shake, we're going to freeze a little.
1: Okay. Uh, I, I will ignore it and press on. Uh, is there is there anything you would like to say about the publishing company and um, the direction you're going? Like, okay, so for example... Um, the of the catalog that you're developing and oh, I'm sure you've probably already got some fully some fully already completed works that you're going to put into the catalog right away. What uh, what's the the uh, the flavor or the. Um, I guess what genres are you are you going to focus on.
0: Um, we're going to focus on exactly where I feel at home, which is darker fiction um the exact genre isn't going to be as big of an issue as making sure that it carries through those darker themes li- that I like to see um because it's more comfortable for me I'd love my focus to be on fantasy and science fiction um but once again as long as those dark themes are there so long as it's something that I really believe in um myself it's something I- then it's going to be something I will put on the table as An investment for the company but definitely want to look for the darker works and I really want to start promoting darker works in other genres other than horror
1: I like cyberpunk but I said again I it's something that I'm relatively new to I did some research on the the history of it I do know that the game cyberpunk 2077 is coming out soon uh that game just looks amazing do you do you game at all are you a gamer
0: um yes and no I used to do a lot of tabletop gaming with um, a gaming group, but as most good groups do, we kind of grew apart. People had kids, people moved. And so unfortunately, I don't really get a chance to do anything like that anymore. Um, I do have a few games on Steam and pretty much dedicate Boxing Day. And for everybody who is not a part of the Commonwealth, that is December the 26th, which um, to being able to play games. So I have that one day a year where I don't do writing, I don't watch TV, I don't, I don't do anything but play games for a couple of hours on it.
1: <laughs> That's cool. That's actually a, probably a good um, uh, a good way to keep from overindulging because gaming could be something that could easily be, uh, take you away from what you should be doing. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Um, so you grew up in the eighties, is that right? I did. Okay. So that was the tail end of the Cold War, right there. Do you remember anything from that time period that, for you, was alarming and made you think, um, you know, maybe maybe we're going to be looking at the end of the world here pretty soon?
0: You know. The interesting thing is um, growing up in Canada where I did, you know, it wasn't really a thing. And, you know, when I talk to people my own age, especially in the U.S., you know, they, they'll, they'll talk about how that had an effect on them, which is really fascinating. Um, how, you know, that just that little tiny parallel of a border there made such a big difference in perspective, um, especially because I really, even when I was younger, I wasn't. I really liked the news and I really like to learn about world events. I was the kid who would read the paper after my dad, or, you know, it's actually the reason I can read upside down and backwards is my dad would read the paper and I would be on the other side of the table reading it as well, you know, but it's upside down and a bit backwards. So <laughs> um, all those funny word game, word things where you're like, Hey, if you can read this, you're a genius. And so it's like, no, I just have a lot of practice at this. From reading the paper while my dad was in the middle of reading it too, I was that dorky person. Um, but you know, learning about things like that and being able to you know do the research and learn how the connections and the involvements you know spurred from this to this to that is actually something that you know really actually I reflected in my writing too because when I'm writing stories, I love to show how decision A leads to this bigger picture of, you know, this horrible thing happening or this incredible thing happening and just how everything unfolds with little tiny different decisions and how it changes things. I mean, even as you said earlier, when we were talking, you know, you still see the effects of the cold war, you know, on, you know, political influences and country, you know, country relations, even now you know, I mean, we'll ignore the fact that I grew up in a country where, you know, I could always visit Cuba.
1: <laughs> that is a really interesting perspective. I forgot that uh, you were in Canada, even though we've been talking about it, I forgot <laughs> that Canada was more isolated from the the events of the Cold War. Um, now, did your uh, parents ever mention anything to you about the conflict between the the us and the soviet union or any of that you
0: know they never really did oh, okay um surprisingly most of it i learned on my own when i was in high school um because even back then i really loved um reading military sci-fi i was actually wanted to join the armed forces in canada unfortunately that stupid little gluten allergy thing yeah that's a big no <laughs> that that is the reason not the fact that i crushed my leg that was fine, not the fact that I wasn't physically quite up to shape yet. That was okay; they could get me there. But the fact that I can't eat wheat—that was the no.
1: <laughs> that would make sense uh, when you're in the field eating. Um, uh, well, they used to call them K rations. Now they call them MREs. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, a I think there's a lot of preservatives and stuff in there that cause people a lot of problems if they don't. Uh, if they're not able to consume those kind of foods. So yep, that's unfortunate. Sorry that happened. I
0: know. Sad part is, you know, when I did all the psychological tests and all that all the tests they are like, oh, you're absolutely perfect. I'm like, great. Well, I can't eat wheat. Oh, that's a problem.
1: just don't put me in the field man i'll work a desk job i just just want to serve my country
0: like seriously i wanted to work in logistics like that is my thing i love planning i love working out all these little if you haven't figured it out i love seeing how things connect and logistics is a perfect place for that come on i would have been in an office guys you would never have had to put me anywhere it's not like canada goes to war that often
1: well, I think it's really cool that you at least have the opportunity to write about stuff and the fact that you write military fiction. Um, that's incredible. Now, when you're doing research for a book, do you have to reach out to like, uh, people that have lived through the experiences that you're trying to capture in your books? Um, or do you just make that stuff up?
0: A little bit of both. Um, I actually have a lot of true story military accounts um, back on my bookshelves behind me here and those were some of my favorite things to read growing up uh mostly world war ii for yeah actually about i'd say about 90 percent of the stuff is world war ii based and um other than that if it's something that i really think i'm lacking in i will reach out and we'll look for contacts. um one story that i did based in a very remote uh location called alert in nunavut which is here in Canada, it's one of the most northern occupied, permanently occupied uh, places in the world, and it is a Canadian Forces listening base. And because the only way to ever visit this place is to number one, be a member of the media, or be a member of the armed forces, or to be a scientist. Those were one of the three people I had to try and get a hold of to get there. And I actually ended up talking to a very nice gentleman who is in charge of our northern research facilities, who spent an hour and something talking to me on the phone from the other side of the country and telling me all about the base. And he actually, he, he was actually there for a couple of years. So he had some really good insights for me.
1: That's cool. Uh, I, it seems to me like if I was a writer, I think the part of writing that I would enjoy most is the research. Because I do a lot of research for different reasons. Uh, since I started the podcast, I've been doing a ton of research about different things. But even before I did the podcast, I would read um, just uh, like website content about certain Uh, things that were interesting to me and uh, again in short bursts but but uh, yeah it does seem to me like the research would be the one of the most interesting aspects of writing but there are so many areas of writing that uh, that um, I guess people really enjoy and uh, in doing these these podcasts talking with other writers it just seems the the people who do the writing do it because they love it above even trying to get paid for it. Um, That's a cool thing to see people pursuing passion work like that.
0: You know what? I can't argue with that. If I didn't want to actually make a living off of my writing, I would be happy to give it away for free. I, I really do just love putting together stories. I love researching and learning about how people interact, which is one of the biggest things. And you know what? That does require a lot of research and reading into events and how those affect people differently as well. You know, just as, you know, we were saying early, you know, that little difference between the US and Canada, that little border made a huge difference on how the Cold War affected each of us. Yeah,
1: that's, and you know, that's a good place to leave it uh, since um, I I like to look for a good. A good stopping point to to close it out um before i let you go i would like to give you an opportunity to let people know how they can find out more about your work and if they wanted to get in contact with you
0: all right well the best place to find out more about all my work is on my website which my personal website which is crystal so last name k-i-r-k-h-a-m i'm sure it'll be somewhere (laughs) for you to find and I pretty much always respond on Twitter at some point which is at Canuck you know that beautiful slang name that us Canadians are known by Canuck click and yes
1: okay so pretty much the website and uh Twitter best way no, no Facebook I have, Instagram anything like I that.
0: I actually have all of those I don't always check them as frequently as I should I am pretty much constantly on Twitter, constantly, and I will check my website for stuff, and that's a great place to find out what's going on, um, and the only other place you can always get a hold of me is on Discord.
1: Oh, yeah, that's that's something that's come up and coming. A lot of people are starting to use that. They are. I think uh, we can call it a night, and Alrighty. Uh, that's about it.
0: I can feed these mutts. Oh yeah. Thank
1: you, Crystal. Have a good night.